All right, beautiful people. Welcome Sunday worship. Good to see you. Ah, hey, we are almost moving towards the end of our series in the life of a disciple, right? Uh, this, actually, this was supposed to originally be the last message, but I broke it up into two, uh, just as a way of kind of um, differentiating between what Jesus is saying here in the last few sections of chapter 7. I wanted to really make clear about these things. But uh, this series has been, you know, it's been a sobering reminder for me. I'm not so sure it's been for you, but, uh, but it's been a huge sobering reminder for me in my walk with following after Jesus. It, it, it's, uh, it, it shared with me a lot of my personal inconsistencies in what I, how I follow after Christ and how I've been uh, uh, dealing with my stuff, right? And the, the crazy thing is, I want, I want to make sure I make this very clear for all of us, right? The Sermon on the Mount aren't suggestions, for Jesus towards his people. The Sermon on the Mount are the very qualities of those who follow after Jesus. The question is not whether I want to do them, but the question is rather how deep am I getting in them at this moment? Okay, these aren't suggestions for you, for us. Jesus is stepping up onto this mountain. He says, I have a kingdom that is coming. I have a rule that I am establishing and if you are going to be a part of my kingdom, these are the qualifications of the sons and daughters of this kingdom. So as you're examining your thoughts and your life and your decisions and your actions, where are you with your journey with Jesus? Have you thought about that during this series? Where are you in your walk with Jesus Christ? Are you in rebellion? Meaning, here it is what God is telling me, but I want to go the opposite direction. I don't really want to follow it. I don't really want to deal with it. Are you stagnant? Meaning I know what he wants me to do, but I just, I, just, I just can't will myself to do that. Or are you growing? Right? Meaning that you're taking the steps forward, taking a few steps back, but you're moving forward. Where are you on this journey? Have you really asked this heart-sobering reminding, reminder question, discerning questions? Have you asked yourself, you know, during this series, where is it that God is asking me to focus my life on at this season? Where, in this season of my life, where is it that God is asking me to focus on? Where is it that God is asking me to center him more on? Is it dealing with your conduct at work? That I'm called to be a peacemaker there? Maybe I haven't really thought about that. Am I really in the season called to do that? Is it in the way you deal with relationship with people? Your anger, your love, your enemies? Is it in the way in which you engage with your significant other, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your fiance, your husband, your wife? Have you really asked God, like, God, what is this season that you're calling me into? Is it to bring you into my spiritual disciplines, my finances, my development of a church and my community? Where is it that God is calling you as a disciple to bring more of him into that place because you're lacking it there? Because you forgot about it there. Because you're in rebellion there. Have you asked those questions? Because the Sermon on the Mount are not suggestions. These things are not suggestions for you. They are the very qualifications of the followers of Jesus Christ. Right? I'm not going to lie to you. I've been hearing a lot of people this past few weeks saying stuff like, I'm mad. I'm so mad, PT. I'm like, why are you mad? I'm so mad that there are so many people who don't trust the experts when it comes to this disease. COVID and the Delta variants. 
right? These guys, they went to school for this stuff, PT. They know what they're talking about. And I said, I can't agree with you more. I totally agree, right? And I'm, I, I, I'm mad just like you are, right? But, but I always caveat that statement with this. I always tell them, it's been like three or four people who talk to me about this, right? I always say, like, look, before you, for this moment, puff yourself up with a spirit of superiority against your fellow man who seems to be questioning everything about what the expert is saying, have you actually looked in the mirror at yourself, right? Have you looked in the mirror and have you trusted the expert when it comes to not just your physical body but your soul? I mean, I know you're mad. And I know you're upset about it. It's bringing harm to others. But have you looked and dealt with the experts, the expert of the, ex- the expert when it comes to your body and soul. You're worried about losing your body, but you're not worried about the one who can take both body and soul. Shouldn't you fear the one who can take both of those things? Right? You see, we, we, we think that we're maturing and we're growing, but reality is oftentimes we compartmentalize our faith. You can see how mad you are and the inconsistencies and the illogic actions of others, but you can't see it in yourself. I'm not going to lie to you. I know I look kind of shaggy sometimes, but I am an expert when it comes to the Bible, right? I did go to school for this. I spent my life dedicating my heart to knowing this word so I can give it to you as if Christ is giving it to you himself. And so are you worried about that? Are you concerned for that? Are you thinking about that? Or are you just as guilty as the very people you're mad about? Today's message is a two-parter. Again, it's because I was leading praise. I I just felt like, you know, if I give you the full message, we're going to be here for a long time. (laughs) And you'll be like, I'm done with looking at PT. Right, but uh, I split it into two. This first part, it's 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 really divided into two sections. One section is Jesus is telling you to really think about the authenticity of your beliefs. Okay, the authenticity, the reality, the beauty, the trueness of your belief and what you place your belief in. And then he goes on. He says, and before you Christians can say I got this, I want you to judge the authenticity of your Christian belief. Today's message is about the authenticity of the belief systems that you have, but then next week's message is going to be really about the authenticity of your Christian belief. And it's the most, it's one of, this next few passages are some of the most sobering and most um, difficult things that Jesus says that people have a really hard time with, Christians or non-Christians. And so today I really want you guys to think about this, because here's the thing, the mark of maturity in any way, right, believer or not believer, is that you're able to make a decision and live out the logical conclusion of that decision. See, immaturity is that you make a decision and you live inconsistently with the decision you have made. That's immaturity. Maturity is I have made a decision and I'm living consistently with the decision I have made. That's honesty, that's reality, that's authenticity. All right? I think a lot of us, we make a decision in our life, but we live very inconsistently to that decision. And you know what that's a mark of? Immaturity. 
not authenticity. And do you know why people, when they look at believers, some of the biggest problem they see is the inauthentic belief system that you live by? Because you say one thing, and then your belief system, the way you live it out, is totally different. And you guys hate that, don't you? All right? You hate it with your parents. It's one of the main reasons why you have a struggle with your faith is probably because of your parents. They tell you one thing about the faith, but they live it very different, different, uh, in a different way. So that inconsistency messes with you. And yet somehow you do the exact same thing, but you can't ever see that. Isn't that weird? And so what Jesus is trying to share today is this. Have you examined the authenticity of your belief system? Have you taken your decision and played it out to its logical conclusion? Some of these points I'm going to make, you've heard it many times. Some of these points I'm going to make, you've heard it during our, our, our um, uh, apologetic seminars and stuff like that. See, pride will tell you, I've heard this already. Humility will say, I need to hear this again. All right? So I want to share with you what Jesus says in regards to the authenticity of beliefs. Okay? Are you living and you're being honest about this? Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Verses 13 and 14, just two verses. The narrow and the wide gates. Narrow and wide gates. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 to 14. All right, listen now for the word of God. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. All right? Jesus, in these two verses, he's saying three things here, okay? The first thing he's saying is this. Everyone believes in something, and everyone has committed their life to a belief, okay, that has consequences for their life. Jesus is clearly saying that everyone believes in something. Either you're walking towards the wide gate, the broad road, or you're walking in the narrow gate. There is no non-belief system here. Everybody believes in something. Everybody has committed their life to some sort of faith system. Everyone has dedicated their heart to a faith belief. See, if you're, if you're, um, if you're an atheist or agnostic or just someone who's just, you know, I'm just a man who, I'm just a person of common sense. You may think you're just a common sense person. You live as you see it. You live by the facts. You live by the evidence. You live by the information. But Everyone is living to some sort of, of faith system. Even you. Even you. You see the world through a faith system. Okay? How many of you guys ever heard of the flying spaghetti monster? Right? Have you ever heard of that? There's an, the, when I told that to the youth group, you know what they said to me? They're like, who makes up some random weird stuff like that? I said, bro, I didn't make that up. This is a real thing. There's a gospel of the flying spaghetti monster. They're like, no. I said, look it up. So I mean, take out their phones. They Google it. They were like, oh, my goodness. Someone made a gospel of the flying spaghetti monster. I was like, yeah. I said, you know what the argument behind that is? They're like, what? They say this. I don't believe in a flying spaghetti monster. There's no proof. There's no evidence for that. And so why would I put my faith and my belief into a God? Right? And it sounds, in the front end, Good. And it sounds in the front end right. But let me tell you something about that, okay? That is what we call in, you know, the, the, the realm of expertise, all right, the phrase is, it's a category mistake. 
okay? Mistake between what makes something versus what already exists. So yes, if someone is saying, hey, you can't prove a flying spaghetti monster, right? That's already in existence. The stuff that about that is already in existence. So yeah, give me proof. Show me the evidence. Take some pictures. But when it comes to belief, when it comes to faith, what you're really asking is this. You guys ready? I know it's like, this is big brain stuff. Okay, hang on there. Okay? I'm going to hit you with the, mm, excuse me, let me get the explanation out first. When it comes to this, when it comes to believing something, this is what, we, this is what the, the idea is. The belief is what makes matter. What brought something into existence? For a religious person, we say very simply who? It's God. We just claim a higher power. God brought everything to existence. For someone who was a secular, atheist, agnostic, they would say um, it just came from the Big Bang, you know, from uh, the explosion, from singularity. It just came out of nowhere, okay? Now, here's the thing. Can I prove with 100% accuracy either way? No, you can't. You cannot prove anything. I can't prove with 100% accuracy there's a God. In the same way, I can't prove with 100% accuracy that that's how things happened. Because why? I can't, um, I can't do the experiment again. I can't measure it. I can't observe it. I can't repeat the experiment. So how do I know that that happened? You know it based on faith. Yes, follow? You know it based on faith. There's a faith system, and a lot of people out there, some of you guys might be out there, you have based your whole entire life on a faith commitment. If you do not, and Jesus is saying, if you do not believe that I am the way that leads to life, you have based your whole life on a faith commitment that has eternal consequences for you. The better question you have to ask yourself is, am I sure of this faith commitment? Did I take it to its logical conclusion? Okay? Because you can't prove these things. You can't prove love. You can't prove beauty. You can't prove uh, morality. But you know there's a lot of atheist people who are moral. Right? There are a lot of atheist people who, who claim morality. They want human rights. They want equal rights with everybody else. Right? They want to fight for that. It's a huge leap of faith to go from survival of the fittest to all people are made equally. As a Christian, I can say that. You know why I can say that? Because my God tells me that. My God tells me all life is made in my image, therefore all life is valuable. As an atheist, what happens? Life is an accident. There is no value to life. There is nothing of value to life. So how did you go from there to you got to right, fight for equal justice. You got to fight for um, equality among men and women. You got to fight for equality among the races. Where did you get that from? The conclusion does not match your commitment. There's an inconsistency there. And you know when that happens? You know what, happens, what we have? Immaturity. Church. If you're going to go down that road, at least be consistent. I have a friend, okay? Atheist. And I tell him, how do you feel about the whole COVID thing? Like, people not vaccinating. You know what he said to me? Let them die. I was like, what? Just let them die. Do you want weak and dumb people in this world? I was like, uh, yeah, right? <laughs> he says, really? Do you want a world with dumb people? That's something you want? Just let them die, man. Survival of the fittest. 
This is, this is nature's way of weeding out idiocracy in our, in our world. I'm like, I don't know how I feel about that, bro. Right? I don't know how I feel about that, but you know what's what? At least he's consistent. I don't, he's consistent in words. He's not consistent in actual life. He can't actually do this in reality. But in words, why he's pretty consistent. He says, let him die. And he works at the hospital, too, which is kind of funny. He's like, how do you feel? Like, they come in, they start crying. They're dying in front of me. And I said, like, well, you had a chance. You're dumb. You're dead. Right? In his head. Again, he can't say it out loud. Okay? All right. But in conversation, this is what he believes. This is what he holds to. And I was like, you know what? I don't believe that, but at least I respect you. <laughs> you know why? Because you're consistent, at least in words. You're consistent to that system of thought. Right? Why save them? Why fight for them? See, we all believe in something, church. We all believe in something. The real question you have to ask is what? Does your belief system, is it consistent with itself? Meaning, when you believe in something, do you have to borrow from somebody else in order to believe it? See, people who are atheists, what happens? They have to borrow from a Christian worldview when they say justice is important. Where did they get the idea of justice from? It is from the Judeo-Christian concept of justice, guys. The Western world of justice is based off of that. The equality of humanity, do you know where you got, they got it from Christianity? Don't say, oh, we got it from the Greeks. You didn't get it from the Greeks. The Greeks didn't see humanity as equal. There were some who were better, some who deserved to die, some who were slaves for the rest of their life, some who were meant to rule. They didn't see equality of humanity. But Jesus... Christianity does. And so when our world says, we've got to fight for justice, but I'm an atheist, you know what you're doing? You're borrowing. You're borrowing. And when you're borrowing, you know what you're doing? You're being inconsistent to your belief system. And that means immaturity. Right? Jesus is clearly saying, you all believe in something. Don't sit there and say, I'm just a free spirit I'm here and I just think about, we all believe in something, but does your belief system, your commitment, does your commitment in that belief answers life's deepest questions like love, meaning, purpose, justice, identity, morality, hope? Does it answer those questions? Does it give you a strength to deal with suffering when it comes? Does it give you a place to think for the future? Or if not, if it does not, then if your system is about accidents and survival of the fittest and everything you hope for, everything you're seeking in love, all of that, you're living inconsistently. Okay? How do you go and say it's wrong for people to make choices like not get vaccinated because it affects and hurts people? How can you say that's wrong? How can you say that's wrong? If you came from a system that pretty much celebrates the survival of the fittest, Why is letting the weak and dumb die wrong? Why is there anger and protest and yelling all over social media if your faith commitment, the thing that you've committed your life to, that you celebrate, tells you survival of the fittest? That's inconsistency. All right? So Jesus in this road, and he says there's two roads here. Either you believe in me or you believe in something else. 
but you're definitely believing something. You're definitely putting your faith commitment into something. You guys get me? And I need you guys to think about this. What is your faith commitment? What is your faith commitment? And if your faith commitment is not Jesus Christ, it's not God, then have you thought it out through its logical conclusion? Because we all believe in something. But do you actually, does your belief system actually answer life's toughest questions? You follow? Okay, but here's the second thing Jesus says about these two verses. It's pretty crazy. And he's genius, by the way. Jesus, he understood the human heart better than anyone else. You know why? Because he created the human heart. And you know exactly where it goes. And so you need to ask yourself these real questions. Because if you're not asking these questions, you're just going through your life just floating. And, you know, you're, you're, you're not really even living. You're not thinking. You're not feeling. You're just existing. Right? Jesus is saying there's only two roads here. And these two roads go in opposite direction. There's a road that is broad, that is wide, that leads to, the Bible says what? Destruction. And there's a road that is narrow, that is straight, and that road leads to life. Right? And only a few can find it. Jesus is saying there's only two roads Either is one road leading closer to the truth or one road leading further away from the truth. You only got two options here. This is one choice or the other. There is no neutrality. There is no common ground. There is no um, every, uh, every road is good. And when someone says that, and when Jesus, when we claim that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father but through me. When, when, we, when we tell people that Jesus is very exclusive in his claim for the future, and his claim for life, he is very exclusive about this. People look and they say, what? That's narrow. Well, yeah, that's what, I, that's what the Bible says. It's a narrow road. That's bigoted. That's closed-minded. That's not inclusive. You're not including other people. You can't say Jesus is the only way. Every belief system is good, right? Every belief system is, has their own values and their own goodness. The moment someone tells that to you, you know what they're saying? They're saying, Tony, your belief system is wrong. You should take on my belief system because my belief system is right. You're wrong. I'm right. So what are they doing? They're being just as narrow, just as exclusive as they claim me to be. You guys get me? And the point here is this. Everybody is exclusive. All faith systems is exclusive. You believe in what we believe or you will be judged outside of that. Or you will be judged and looked down upon beyond that. Well, doesn't Christianity do that? No. I don't think you really read your Bible. Or at least what you've read is probably what you hear that's being echoed to you from your medias. Have you read your Bible? See, everybody is exclusive. The real question is, whose exclusive faith does this? Who's, whose exclusive faith tells you that the, heart, at the heart of their belief system is a man dying for his enemies? Whose belief system tells you to love your enemies and to pray for those who persecute you? Whose belief system tells you to turn the other cheek? 
Whose belief system tells you that even if you are angry at somebody, the Bible says that is equivalent to murder? Whose belief system tells you, regardless of your race, your creed, your sex, your upbringing, your culture, you are to love them as a neighbor above and beyond? Whose belief system, though exclusive, includes everyone else? The answer is, it is the way that is narrow and straight. It is Jesus Christ. Every other belief system is exclusive. Follow us or we will exclude you. I don't think there's many ways to God. I think there's only one way. Then you are wrong and therefore we are right. And then we will cast you out and label you as judgmental, narrow, and until you get your act together and come join our system of thinking, then you're in. In Christianity, it says this, Jesus is the only way. There's no other way to the Father. There's no other way to life. He is the only way. I'm sorry. But what he teaches his people is that though I am the only way, you are to live in such a way that loves your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you to bring them in, regardless of their race, gender, sex, identity, creed, culture, to love them above and beyond as a neighbor, as you would love yourself. That is the message of Christianity. That is the heart of it, that a man, that God would die on the cross for people, for his enemies. You guys see that? Jesus is very clear in this. You all believe something. The real question is, does your belief system have consistency in the way it answers love, justice, morality. Jesus is very clear. There's only two roads here, guys. There is the road that leads to life or the road that leads to death. And the road that leads to life, that's me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. Every other decision and road and commitments you make, it leads to death. It leads to destruction. But this way, this way that leads to it, I'm calling you in. I'm telling you it's difficult, it's hard, but I'm calling you in, right? Everyone is exclusive. And at the heart of Christianity is Jesus dying on the cross for his enemies. You guys follow me? Here's the last thing Jesus says in here. The road is hard. It's a straight, the word straight here, it does not mean straight. It doesn't mean this straight. It's the word that you get for straight jacket, S-T-R-A-I-T. It's, it's binding. It's, it's, it's tight. It's restrictive, right? It says the road is straight and narrow, okay? Christianity is not something you are born into. It's not something that just happens to you. It's not something that you, you're raised into, Christianity is something that you have to really, really, it's an act of the will, a focus, a moving into something. You know, uh, when you guys dream, what language do you guys dream in? I used to dream when I was a kid in Vietnamese, but then as I grew older and my Vietnamese disappeared, right, I dream in English, right? Anybody still dream in Vietnamese, by the way? Yes, dream in Vietnamese? One, two, two, two of you guys, three of you guys, everyone else in English? I try to teach Seth Vietnamese, right? This is how you know your heart language. You try to teach them a language that you, you think you're good at, and then the moment I get flustered or I try to yell, what happens? Switch straight to English, right? I was like, I was like you know, like, go get the remote control, like, the, uh, like, the bum, right? And like, the bum, and after a while, like, he's like, huh, huh? I was like, 
controller, get the controller, get the, get the controller right now, right? You know, like, what's wrong with you? You know, and I'll just go off in English, you know? It's like the I Love Lucy uh, show a long time ago when Ricky Ricardo, yes, is that too old for you? When he would, you know, speak English and then also he gets crazy and starts speaking in Spanish, right? Same way. You speak your heart language because that is the easiest, that is the simplest, that is the most broadest road. It's your inclination. It's your naturalness. It comes out. You were born. You were born with the inclination to walk the broad road. You were born to walk away from God. You were born with this rebellion against God. The road that is narrow and straight is hard. But you understand this. You understand this naturally, I think, in just, just in our human world. If you're going to work out, then you go work out, you know, a six-pack doesn't happen overnight, yes? A six-pack takes what? It takes time. It takes energy. It takes discipline. It takes eating right, sleeping right. It takes really uh, uh, control, focus on your diet, your exercise, your regimen. To get a six-pack, it's, it's not easy. Right? People think, yeah, I can get a six-pack easily. Yeah, I got it when I was a kid. Yeah, you were also 10 times smaller when you were a kid, right? It's not easy. It takes focus. And what Jesus is saying is this. The road that is straight and narrow is not something that is easily, it's not the popular road. It's not something that people just step on, oh, it's so easy to walk. It is a difficult focus and act of the will type of road. It is a road that requires discipline. It's a road that hurts. It is a road that feels very restrictive. It's a road that makes your life feel very messed up. And you guys, if you're on a diet regimen, you know how hard that can be sometimes, right? If you're on a workout regimen, you know how difficult that is sometimes. Anytime, if if you're trying to study, you know that's hard, right? That road, though, eventually leads to where? It leads to life. That's what Jesus is saying. It leads to life. If you were to step into it with focus and discipline, it's hard in the front end, but it will lead to life. Are you willing to walk that road? See, brothers and sisters, when you claim that I have the faith commitment in Jesus Christ, he says, great, I respect your claim, but is it authentic? Is it real? Is it consistent? I respect the claim that you call me your Lord and your Savior, but is it real? Is it authentic? Is it consistent? Because the road that I'm asking you to walk is not an easy road. It's going to call for sacrifice. It's going to call for you to let go of things that you used to love to hold on to. It's going to call for you to discipline yourself in a way that's not what you're used to doing. It's, gonna, it's a road that's going to force you to restrict you in order to do what? Bring you life. Are you willing to walk that road? Are you walking that road? Is your faith authentic? The Bible says there will be days when the heart, the, uh, men's love will grow cold. You know what that means? We're, we're living in a time when the love of people is not there anymore. We love ideas. We love passion. We love big picture. But the love of people, is, it's, it's rare and it's missing. 
But even if we do end up loving people, it's sometimes motivated, oftentimes motivated, by self-interest. And yet at the heart of the gospel is a God who became man, who died for his enemies, whose kindness broke the hearts of the most stubborn of souls, whose grace and forgiveness humbled the most proud hearts. And you are his followers. You are Christians. Christians are just the emulation of Christ. And if his work and his life humbled the proud and lift up the broken, is that a reflection of your life? Is your faith authentic? We all believe in something, church. But does your belief system answer life's toughest question? You're like, yeah, I believe in Jesus Christ. I'm there. Great. Great. One road to Jesus. One road to heaven. I got it. It's Jesus. But my road is hard. Is your Christianity easy? Is your Christianity light? Right? Are you trying to, like, you know, like, um, when you drink Coke, you know Coke. Right? You can taste it. Right? You drink Diet Coke. You can taste Diet Coke, right? I mean, you drink it because, you know, like, all right, I don't want to gain calories. It's, it's, that, um, it's that middle ground, you know? It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of like Christians like that, Christian light. Christian light is, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll claim Jesus just in case, fire insurance, just in case, right? But there's no taste to you. There's no authenticity. And oftentimes, you know, the realness of it, people spit you up. <laughs> That's pretty nasty, Right? Unless you begin to be around people who end up like liking Christianity like, and you end up all just fooling yourselves, thinking that this is real Coke, when it's not. <laughs> all right? It's my analogy that, that, that it goes through. I, it kind of lost it along the way. But yeah, I hope you guys got it, right? All right? Is that your faith? Is that our church, by the way? Are we Christianity light? And have we convinced ourselves that this is what we're doing as Christians? We all claim we love Jesus, but are we walking the hard road of loving Jesus? It is difficult. And sometimes I know a lot of you guys think, but the things he's asking for, it's hard, man. Things he's demanding. This is not natural. I I know. That's why you have to be reborn. You have to have a new inclination, a new spirit to want new things. And it's going to fight against the very things that you want before. It's like the story. I'll end with this. It's uh, the, 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 the folktale of the bear and the woodsman. You guys ever heard that story? It's uh, this bear. He's walking through the forest. And as he's walking, he wasn't paying attention. And he steps on a bear, claw, a bear trap. You know those bear traps? The one that has like claws. They, they go like this. They, they, they snap onto your leg. And so as the bear trap uh, uh, snaps and sprungs onto the bear's paws, it screams and it roars. And it's, and it's unending this pain. It's trying its best to, to, um, to shake it off. But the harder it shakes, the more that the trap digs into its claw. And it's killing him. It's bleeding out slowly and slowly. And the, and the bear tries to move, tries to walk. And every step it takes is a step towards his death. Right? Closer to its death. And there's a woodsman walking in the woods, and he hears the roar of the bear. He walks towards it, knowing that as he walked towards it, this bear is frantic. It's crazy, right? Any act of help, what's going 
get the bear insane. So he knew that as he looks at this bear, I have a choice. I can try to free the bear, but in freeing the bear, I'm going to have to hurt the bear. And if I hurt the bear, the bear might actually react back and kill me. But he has a choice. So what does he do? The woodsman walks up to the bear. The bear is confused, yelling, what are you doing? Right? The woodsman have to open the bear trap. You know how you open a bear trap? You have to press down on it. Right? So if you imagine if you're already like, right, and then you have to press down before you can open it, you're clawing deeper into the paws of the bear. And imagine you're a dumb bear and you have no idea what's happening and this dude is hurting you even more. You're not going to be like, oh, yay, continue to hurt, continue, right? You're going to thrash around. You're going to fight it. You're going to do all these things. And so the woodsman has to calm you down, focus, and then eventually there's what? Unleash the trap. And then now every step you take is a step towards healing because you've been freed from the trap. And in the same way, your Christian life, the authentic Christian life is like that. You have been trapped by sin itself. And it's killing you day by day. Every step you take, it kills you. And Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, comes in and says, I'm going to free you. At the cost of maybe my life, of my life, actually not maybe my life, but actually my life. I will free you, but in freeing you, I'm going to have to hurt you. But unlike the bear, we have a choice. We can trust or not. And when we say, Lord, I trust you, give me the pain. I will endure it so that I can be free. He springs the trap away, and he frees you. Now that every step you take now is a step towards healing. And how do we have that trust? It's because we look at the Savior of our life, Jesus Christ, who did what? Who took on the very trap of sin itself. And he did it for you. And he came back to life. He says, I can free you. What is true of me is true, will be true of you if you trust me. And if you say, I trust you, Jesus, then he says, then this is the road. Walk down that road. Sometimes that road's going to bear into your hands and it's going to hurt you like no other. Sometimes walking down that road is going to force you to sacrifice something that you may not want to sacrifice. But if you trust me, every step that you keep moving that way is a step towards your healing. It's a step towards the healing of others. And it's a step towards true Christianity. Is your faith authentic, church? There's only two roads, only two roads, and the commitment you make determines your eternal destiny. Are you really going to gamble that? Are you really going to gamble that? You only got two choices here. Are you going to gamble it based on a faith commitment that might have has inconsistency and does not live out to its logical conclusion? Or will you commit, commit to the one who won, gave you the example of suffering, gave you the picture of what it looks like to overcome nature itself? And would you trust the one who says, walk this road? The way I want you to conduct your relationships is going to be hard. 
But trust me, every step you take towards that road of doing it well, doing it right, it's going to bless not just you, but the legacy that comes before you. Every step that you take in building your character, it's going to get you hated by a lot of people, looked down by a lot of people. But every step you take in building that character is a step towards loving others and actually being a blessing to the world around you. Every step you take is going to be hard, but every step you take will be healing. Is your faith authentic? Let's pray. Like what you see? Come check us out on our YouTube channel. We're called to love God, love people, and serve the world. We post regularly every week, Wednesdays and Sundays, 12.30 p.m. for English ministry. Check out our website at www.wearetruelove.com. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button 